0: Hey guys, what's up? And welcome back to yet another episode of the Breakthrough Podcast. Tonight, I have with me a very, very popular guest from Bangalore. We have Goose. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. How's it going?
1: Good, good. How are you? Thank you for having
0: me. It's been over a year. We've decided that you're going to be in the podcast, and now you're finally here. How's it been, man? How's life?
1: It's okay. Better late than never, I (laughs) suppose. I mean, what have you been doing? Well, getting through another lockdown uh, (laughs) again. Uh, But I'm hoping this is the last one we'll have to survive went through COVID once, don't wish it upon anyone. I know you're recovering, Currently. recovered something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, somewhere in the middle we'll of we'll that. So, it. but yeah, I hope this is the, you know, the fag end of it. And we're able to get back to normal life as we know it sometime soon.
0: What's the scene, current scene, I don't know, but Pune is on till about 10 o'clock today. Uh, That's what I've heard. So till 10 o'clock, the parties are on uh, legally. And after that, Mm -hmm. there's obviously a lot of after parties happening, but what's the scene in Bangalore? What's the current scene in terms of the music vibe right now?
1: Well, we had a party up until the middle of Jan and then they had the weekend curfew announced and then nobody's going to go out on a weekday anyway. So they said Friday, 10 o'clock is the curfew, nothing on Saturday, Sundays. But then every Friday for two Fridays on the day, they would pull it back to 8 p.m. So that effectively killed any hope of even having a two hour party or something like that. But they lifted that, well, last weekend, the one that just went by. So we're all hoping that from this weekend, I've been seeing some announcements here and there of day parties and brunch parties and you know parties ending at 10. I might, if I'm lucky, have a gig myself this weekend. Fingers crossed. Wow. We'll never know till it actually happens. But yeah, again, like I said, hopefully it's the beginning of well, better things to come.
0: Of course. So tell me a bit about your journey. I mean, where did you start? When did you start DJing? What's your, <laughs> what's your backstory?
1: Good plug there. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh... <laughs> your mic is hiding your t-shirt though. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of it <laughs> everywhere. I mean, I yeah. can't hide from that anymore, but <laughs> no, I've been uh, a crazy music person. I this is a bit of a, a cliche story, but yeah, it's not different for me. I didn't realize how much of an influence music had on me till pretty late. Looking back at it now, I was actually studying for, you know, tenth and twelfth exams, listening to nirvana and stuff like that. I was actually being able to process information better with music in the background. And then through college, whatever I was holding music. I didn't know why, I just liked a lot of it. (laughs) But the honest truth is I was too scared to put myself on a stage in front of people to be able to do anything with it, but that each was always there to figure out what I could do. So somebody handed me a controller at some point and I paid and bought a version of tractor and I used to, you know, goof around at home with my shisha, just (laughs) figuring out what this thing does at some point I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to move this to the next level and at least learn for what it's worth. So I went to the music school, the one that Clement runs in Bangalore now. Yeah, yeah. Solely for the reason that I wanted to get my hands on professional gear, because there was no way I was going to be able to access that personally, or I didn't know friends who had that kind of equipment. So mm-hmm. I went there, I signed up for a course, got taught the whole thing, figured out I had a knack for it. I mean, I knew the music, I just didn't have the skill. So that mm-hmm. was never the challenge. Graduated the course. I'm like, okay, it'll be a shame if I paid all this money and I don't even play one gig now to see whether my you know, fears were <laughs> Valid or not to begin with, I so found myself a gig, played that, was a nervous wreck going into that gig, but whatever, played a set, had fun, got offered to play another one, took that up, played that, and well, it's not stopped since. Essentially, all the other things that came along are sort of incidental. And then when I realized, okay, I'm, I'm jumping into the deep end of things here, then I said, okay, may as well be good at it and try to make myself good at it. And, you know, market myself and figure out what I want to play and what my sound is and what my identity is and all those associated things. So it's been what, about seven, eight years, professionally of being a DJ, Uh, not counting all the other bedroom DJ things and whatever else we'd like to call it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, along the way journey came along the way, uh, lots of trips to Amsterdam for ADE, lots of gigs across the country. But yeah, it's opened up a whole new world of things that I didn't know existed that I didn't think I would be a part of, you know, when I started this whole thing out, so it's been fun, but yeah, who knows what's coming.
0: Great. So you popularly run this mixtape show called Journey. When did this Mm -hmm. start? What is the reason you
1: started that? And you know, you've been doing this for the longest time. So, you know, tell us a bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a fan of radio for the longest time as a format. Uh, I grew up listening to the radio, mm-hmm. all kinds of radios. So I grew up in the Middle East, and at the time I grew up, there was only radio. There was no question of you know any other music unless you bought a cassette or your dad had some vinyls or something, which I was lucky enough to you know grow in that environment where I had a Pink Floyd vinyl lying around the house, and I could listen to you know Depeche Mode or simply Talking, uh, sorry, Modern Talking, simply Red or any one of those guys. So. I was exposed to a lot of that stuff quite early on, but I've always believed in the power of radio generally. And that kind of carried forward. Even when I moved back to India in college, what do you do when you want music, you just whatever, turn on the radio and listen to what was playing. Right. So I was always tuning into podcasts all the time long before it became popular as a format today or every other, you know, artist today has a podcast or a show. Um, before it became a cool marketing thing to do, or if you're an artist, you need a podcast kind of thing. There were all these shows on di.fm and yeah. you know, transitions from Digweed was popular. And there was all those trans shows that were going on. I wasn't so clued into the trans side of things because I never really, that never appealed to me as much, but I remember listening to like Roger Sanchez's release yourself years and years and years ago. Uh, and I still continue to listen to it till today. I think what really caught my attention there was it felt like a radio show. You didn't listen to it on a radio, but it felt like a radio show and you're still listening to good yeah. music and music that you enjoy. Um, and so the format was really good. What prompted me to get into it was pretty much the fact that I needed to get my ass moving on the fact that I needed to do more than just gigs. Cause if I knew very early on that, if I just promoted myself on the back of a DJ gig, I would be forgotten the minute that DJ gig was done until I reached a point if I was lucky that I blew up that people knew me as a DJ which was putting all my eggs in one basket which was a bit risky at that point you know when you're early on you don't know where it's going the other part of it was I was trying to form an identity for a sound that wasn't so popular at the time which is now obviously a lot more popular which is sort of the more deeper organic ethnic sound that I play a lot or rather the show has come to be known for yeah uh I realize I can't play that at gig because I'm experimenting too much and that's either going to hit me on yeah. my dj bookings but also how do I educate an audience now to start learning and liking and educating them about this sound that they've probably not heard before and if they like it then there's probably an appetite for it that they have that they didn't know existed so that was a primary focus of it so Initially it started off being whatever, you know, recordings of gigs that I had. But then I realized, okay, I need to make it more structured, make it more make it more valuable to me as an asset that I can use to sort of promote myself. And so at one point I decided, okay, I'm gonna switch it up and structure the show and give it a format where I have a guest on every episode and I have a different guest on every episode and I do the first hour and the guest does the second hour. And I invite guests that fit the sound of the show. They're obviously artists that I like, and I probably play their music or they're great DJs, they don't have to be producers with the intention of pushing out the music and then evolve it over time as I see the response to it. It's been about four and a bit years now that the show has been running, but I've been lucky enough to get, you know, some of the biggest names in the Indian scene who play not not the same music, but similar music. So the idea is not to showcase just organic households. I enjoy deep, I enjoy progressive, I enjoy a bit of melodic techno when it doesn't get too heavy. And more importantly, even though I like techno, I don't play techno, but I enjoy it when it's presented well. But that'll never be a fit for the show. It's not that I don't like the artist or the art form or the music, it's just for this show, it's not going to fit. But yeah, I mean, over the years I've been very intentional about Who I invite, why I'm inviting them, how I plan the calendar for which guest is on which episode, in which month, at which part of the year. And I have a series of questions that I send out to artists. So I'm able to present Mm -hmm. when I do the voiceover, you know, talking about the artist to the listeners and let the show grow organically. I haven't put one rupee into the show. Apart from my time and effort of actually producing it, I don't intend to put any money into it. Not because mm-hmm. I think it's bad, but I think I would not have been able to see the success or the stickiness of the show with its listeners had I gone down that path. And of looking back at it now, it's, yeah, I, I can't imagine planning for these numbers or planning for this reach or planning for being able to host these some of these artists that I've been able to in these many years. So yeah, that's kind of like it's evolved into a beast of its own that has taken a life of its own. Well, but he actually propelled me also as an artist for you know, pushing new boundaries yeah. really. Yeah. So you
0: mentioned about, you know, your marketing, you didn't go the whole way of sponsoring it and you know, making sure uh-huh. that you know, you're, you're getting it out to the right people uh, uh-huh. through uh, an inorganic format. How would you promote yourself as an artist? Because I think really interesting uh, piece about you know, what I want to talk to you is, is how important marketing yourself as an artist is because I think learning DJing and learning the skill and all of those things are very doable. I think the internet solves half our shit. You know, most of the guys are from these schools and they're learning how to do this in about in a month, you can learn how to DJ. The real challenge is actually getting gigs. So how would a newbie or a guy who's just come in, I, I think before the recording, I told you how I got my first gig, I was pretty lucky sure. getting my first right. gig, you know, Yeah. Uh, but most of the guys I know right now are are probably more talented than me, but then they don't have a real way of how do they promote themselves. I think in right. producers, I have a lot of producer friends who are like, really, really talented, you know, they're really talented, but they don't get their ass out. You know, they don't meet new people. Uh, they For don't sure. want to put themselves, they don't want to sell themselves. They're focusing so yep. much on the craft that they can't right. they forget to sell themselves. Uh, You mentioned in one of your Instagram posts saying that, you know, you can help people uh, promote themselves, market themselves. Mm -hmm. I just want to touch upon that because that's one of the major pain points that most of the artists I know who are uh, just starting in, they're struggling with that. I also know a couple of artists who are there in the scene for a while and are frustrated and are struggling with the same
1: issue. So if you just probably touch upon that. Sure. So the backstory to that is I have a day job and I've been a marketer for better part of a decade now. And so well, my marketing knowledge is sort of drawing from that front okay. and I work in a corporate setup. So I understand the discipline and I understand the metrics and I understand the science behind marketing, even though there's an art to marketing, there's still a science that makes the art effective. Right. And of course, yeah. for me, the minute I saw the parallel between that and music, it's like, I mean, if you're a DJ and you're on a dance floor, your DJ craft is an art form but there's still a bit of science you can apply like i mean easiest example is if you get the women to dance you know the guys are going to come onto the dance floor as well and your dance floor suddenly looks Or you you know you play a vocal track and it's suddenly very crowd friendly and so there are these whatever hacks or tricks that you can use as a dj to and it's practically a science it's not even an art anymore choosing which track works that's the art right Yeah. yeah so For me, that was the immediate sort of connection that I was able to make in my head saying, okay, I'm doing two things that have very similar patterns here. How can I apply what I know on the marketing side to make it effective on the music side? So long before I actually started doing this, I wouldn't say professionally, but helping as many artists as I do, I was helping people behind the scenes. And it was sort of, you know, under the scope of things of most people's knowledge. I've worked with a lot of people, whether it's festival brands or promoter or event or agency brands, or even just helping out DJ friends uh, saying, try it this way, try it that way. And I started seeing that they were having success when they started implementing some of the things that I did. And I wasn't doing it with the intention of you know earning anything out of it or whatever. It was just generally goodwill. You know, this guy's got talent. He needs a push. What can I do to help him? Yeah. For me, the pandemic not presented an opportunity, but I saw a lot of chatter around, you know, artists trying to keep their mental sanity in place. A lot of artists not knowing what to do with so much time hitting creative blocks. And for me, this was an opportunity to say, okay, maybe you should look inside and see, are you doing everything that you should be doing to push yourself in the best way possible? And that's not limited or confined to your monetary means or to access to people but have you done everything in your capability to the best of your knowledge with your resources to maximize your opportunity? What came to light for me is a lot of people sort of put marketing in a very bad light, right? And they, they, yeah. they put in a bucket where they were like, if you have to do marketing, you're basically selling your soul to the devil <laughs> and you're diluting your sort of purity of the art that you're a DJ or a producer for which I don't, I don't endorse completely uh, because I mean, if you start a company or you start a business and you're making a product, you're going to need a sales team and you're going to need a marketing team and you're going to need an accounting team and an HR team to do their respective jobs for your company to run effectively and the product to work and reach people. Yeah. The analogy there that I'm getting at is as a DJ, let's say you are the product. The only difference is you're the sales guy selling yourself to the promoter. You're the accounting guy running behind him for the payment, right? You're the HR guy making sure that your brain's in the right place when you need to perform or get enough sleep or do whatever you need to for your mental sanity and equally. So you have to market yourself so that you are able to sell yourself. So for me, there's no, there's nothing bad about it. It's when you get in the weeds of it, when you can start distinguishing what is good effective marketing and what is bad marketing now i'm not saying as a dj you have to you know put whatever two instagram posts a day and then this is your you know formula for success that, that's not yeah. what i'm endorsing at all but what i also realize is a lot of people don't have their own identity clear for themselves so if you're trying to sell yourself to somebody if you can't speak about yourself to convince yourself first how will you convince somebody else right that's like sales 101 or marketing 101 yeah so in the conversations that i've had with people it's like okay if somebody has to remember you beyond your music what are those things and then i get blank stares and i have had people ask me but i want them to remember me for my music but i'm like if you're a brand you're so much more than just your product you're everything else that is maybe intangible or things that you don't communicate you know, explicitly, but because of the way you talk or the words you choose, or the way you write, or what you put up, that people start forming perceptions about you. You can control that narrative in a way that benefits you for your music and for your gigs and for your bookings, that it all adds up. A lot of people think, okay, I put up a post and I'm going to get this many comments, and that's my you know, metric of success. But that'll never end up translating to I don't know, gig booking, for example, you may reach a point where it does, which is great, which is what you want it to do. But the truth is, whatever, a lot of people who, let's say, follow me, know that I might like formula one. I do some random QA things, I like yeah. animals. These are not things that I shy away from talking about. These are not things that I think too much about talking about. It's just an extension of who I am as a person, which is not different to who I am as an artist. I'm still the same human at the end of the day who likes the same thing. So there's no shame in talking about it publicly. Now, how much you want to talk about how you want to talk about that's completely up to you, which is what many artists haven't like sort of figured out yet. They think, it. I mean, if they look at somebody else's social media and this works for them, if I do the same thing, it should work for me, which sometimes may work, sometimes may not work. But the, I mean, I think what I'm getting to at the crux of it is if you haven't figured out who you are as an artist how do you expect other people to know who you are so yeah i mean for a lot of people it's it, it it's identifying that first once you've got that nailed then comes all the part of okay i need to be at this place to do networking i need to reach out to this guy and talk to him in this way or i need to know how i'm going to ask him for a gig i need to know what sound i'm standing for and how do you keep Reinforcing that message so that people start associating with you with what you want to stand for. Otherwise, it, I mean, you're left at the mercy of a promoter or a club owner that says, "Okay, I want techno today. You're a DJ, come and play techno." Then you're you're pretty yeah. much a human jukebox, right? Which is not what I think most people want to be.
0: Yeah, plus also the scene in terms of the way you know promoters are booking artists, uh, I think this is again what you mentioned earlier on, on one your Instagram posts, is, I think um, this is one of the <laughs> biggest issues. I think it's the easiest way for someone to, you know, the promoters what they do is for them to book a, a particular artist, it's immediately, you know, there was a time where they used to ask you for your set. So your SoundCloud, right. uh, do you have a set, you know, yeah. and then that's, that's kind of gone, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny that I see this that, you know, uh, there are people are, who are booking us for for gigs. And they've they've not even seen us perform I, I don't know why they're booking us yeah. uh, it's they've heard from somewhere else or somewhere but I mean I'm not big on Instagram we're not huge on Instagram but then right. um, you know there are certain DJs who are number one Bollywood's number one DJ Bollywood's queen or yep. Bollywood's king or whatever right. I mean, and they're proud of saying that and, yep. and they're getting booked like during lockdown during everything they're getting booked so you know what's your sense what's your take on what you know how promoters book their artists because most of the artists, this they, 99% they suck at Instagram as well. So, right. or, you know, and I I think it's a it's a weird matrix, you know, if you're talented, you suck at Instagram,
1: I think, yeah, so, I mean, I have I have some few fairly strong opinions about it, which have ruffled some feathers in the past, but I'll put it out for what it's worth. <laughs> your posts have
0: come uh, floating towards my you know, when you browse your stories on Instagram? Yeah. Oh, shit, what is this? Okay, then <laughs> have you been
1: sharing your posts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so When I put up a few of those that have actually, I don't want to say gone viral, but it's touched a nerve with a lot of people. That's when I realized this problem is not specific to a certain type of music or a certain type of person within the industry. So it's not just an artist problem or a DJ problem. It extends to being a promoter, it extends to being a label, it extends to being a venue owner, a sponsor, or even a regular promoter. It may not be the biggest promoter in your city or whatever, but... Yeah, it kind of extends. But obviously, there's a lot of people who are feeling the pain, but they're having to either do the same thing that the next guy is doing, because they don't know how to do different, or they're still living the fear that if they stop doing it this way, they're going to take a hit that they're not going to be able yeah. to recover from, which is an understandable fear. And I have lived through that to some degree myself as well. Like, as a marketing guy, I can tell you, I can see how social media as an example works very favorably for some people and it's very easy to become you know a clone of that and dilute something else in the process yeah it takes a lot more effort to sort of convince yourself of what you're trying to do and believe it's the right thing and push forward so if i take certain brand names there is automatically an association with you know what they've promoted over many months and years that they've been around so if you take Crank as a festival, they've got the reputation already of being a boutique niche house and techno festival that stands for good quality, which is they've been doing it for so long now and they're still able to do it today because they've stuck to their guns with what they do. Or there are agencies like I'm managed by Deep Dictionary, say. we're very focused on deep progressive melodic house at the most. And it doesn't matter what's happening around us. We are here to do this job. So. We're not trying to be everybody. We're not trying to play everything. We're true to that. It'll take longer for sure. It'll take longer. But when you start out and if you're young and you're just getting into it and trying to make sense of everything happening around you, it can be very daunting and can be very overwhelming to try and figure out how many things you have to do and how you have to do each of those things. That's a real problem. And I'm not going to like try and make any less of it. Uh, I've heard first world some of those problems but I think I mean to answer your question from earlier for a promoter again it comes back to the same basics if you're going to be a good promoter then promote effectively you're not a programmer you're a promoter right as a promoter you should know who's playing you should know why you booked him you should know how you should promote him so that your party goes off well you're not doing a favor to the artist by booking them and for everyone who's listening, I have got many requests myself saying, if I book you, will you bring, whatever 50 people, 30 guest list? Right. And I've got this question in the early days, and it's a normal question for people to ask because they think that's the way work, the industry should work. My sort of usual retort, which hasn't sat well with very people is, if I am also bringing in 30 people and I am DJing, then what job are you doing as a promoter? Right. I'm doing your job yeah. and I'm doing my job. Why do you get to take the money home? All right. So my usual thing is I can't guarantee any number of people. If you still want to book me, book me. If you can't, then no hard feelings. There's no love lost. I'm happy to play at the next one where you don't meet, need me to bring what, 30, 50. people. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm at a point today where I can say having said that, whatever X many years uh, ago, I'm at a point now where I can get the booking because people know that because I am on the lineup, people will come. It may not happen every time there, of course, going to be bad deeds and there'll be good gigs. But of course, you've obviously reached out to me because you have some faith that if I put this guy on the lineup, he should attract a certain type of crowd, a certain number of people or whatever. So if you're putting in the effort, put it there and trying to get to that point where the people are following you, irrespective of where you go and play. Whether you're a promoter, whether you're a artist, it doesn't matter. Right? Like you've built your own brand for yourself. I've spoken to
0: a couple of promoters as well what their take on this is no one's actually come out and spoken about this openly. See, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it it is a business, you know, for them, it's a business. But I think there should definitely be a way where they can merge both of them. For me, my biggest challenge is that we're limiting ourselves uh, in terms of goodwill in terms of charity, however you may call it. We're limiting Mm -hmm. our talented artists two opening DJs, you know, and, and, you know, they're playing an afternoon slot playing at two o'clock under the sun, you know, there's there's just a couple of their friends there, the setup is still happening. And while you're playing, that's not going to get you any good meaning, you know, it doesn't matter. And I'm pretty sure not even getting paid for those gigs, you know. So I think that should be a certain sense. I mean, I've played at some gigs where I'm part of a huge, huge lineup, you know, big ass fucking names and yeah. uh, just because they want some representation of a local scene you know we're playing at 6 37 o'clock you know I like- and uh, i do very few of those unless it's like uh, a friend's cake or whatever there do very mm-hmm. few of those but i mean that's what i feel i'm like okay if i've proved myself and i have that particular name, how am i going to do anything at six o'clock seven o'clock where the setup is still happening right now how yeah. am i going to add value to your party i play a certain type of music Promote a certain type of music, and uh, it's not going to make sense. The guy after me is going to play Deep House, it's not going to make sense logically, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, I think that's the change. There are people on the name of Chalo, let me get two, three opening act DJs, they'll fill in the place early, mm-hmm. and then you know, we can take care of it from. I think that should change. I mean, I'm okay to put me between two, three good artists, but get me to, 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 to a decent lineup, you know. I don't want right. to play a four o'clock slot, I don't play a two o'clock slot, you know. That doesn't make sense in, in any way, you know. So I think that's where the promoters come in, where they think that, you know, okay, chalo, let me give this guy a slot. But mm-hmm. I don't trust him enough to do a B2B with the headline act, you know, right, right. Uh, and that's the concern that we have, if you're really trusting someone, that's what I'm trying to do at my gigs, you know, I'm taking a, a bunch of my local boys and there've been cases where they've opened for us back in the day yep. and you know, we want, and they, they're more talented than us and they're opening for us right. and now we've reached a position where, you know, okay, you're the headline right now, you know, I'll mm-hmm. get you your drinks, I'll get you yeah. your food, I'll yeah. get you your water, I'll do all of those things for you and okay. that's what I think is going to change, that's what I'm trying to do, I mean, that's me and I'm not a businessman, I'm not I'm not doing right. this. Unfortunately, unfortunately, however you can call it, I'm not making a lot of money out of this, but right. I think um, if I had that bandwidth, if I had that production value, I would definitely take that route because at the end of the day, I would still make more money if I'm getting a very, very talented artist uh, mm-hmm. who, who charge me not more than 15, 20,000 bucks. And if he right. can, if I trust him, he can get me revenue worth two lakhs. You know, I think yeah, that's, that's sure logical. Right. If, if someone's listening, if you guys have that bandwidth, I mean, this mm-hmm. is what I would do. You you, I, I would charge you even less than what I usually charge. Give me that highlight, give me that spotlight, and promote me as good as you would promote the guy who's already reads there, who's already come to Pune ten times. You know, right. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. You promote me equally, and I'm pretty sure you'll make more money off. I think, I mean, from the promoter's point of view, it's you know that's a simple line. You know, it's 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 a business. But um, I yeah. think there, there should be a couple of days. You know, I run my night on a Wednesday, man. If uh-huh. there's business, do it on Saturday, Sunday. I run mine on a Wednesday. I fill in people but, on a Wednesday. I mean, you know, there are
1: so many stories from whatever, 10, 15 years ago. And i mean, yeah. you talk to any of the old guns in the scene today, and they tell you when they would have Monday night or Tuesday night residencies at one place that yeah, would yeah. pack the place in and make a lot of money. And so there's no reason that can't happen today. I, I do definitely think that one hour set should be. I don't know, criminally <laughs> criminal, you should go to jail for that or whatever. Yeah, man. At minimum, yeah, man. everyone should get a two-hour set. And for six hours, there should be no more than three DJs. And you get somebody new who's yeah. trying to make a mark, somebody who's, you know, proven his point but not made it big. And then one headliner and, you know, program it well. So there's, there's a flow. And so everyone gets um, marketed right. But I also think, I mean, touching on what you mentioned about the business end of it, I feel like not enough artists today understand the business end of things, because I think it's not their job to do it. And that's completely mm-hmm. untrue and it's completely unfair because the way you play and the way you perform and you make the dance floor live is ultimately going to translate to business for the venue, for the promoter or whatever. So you can't say you don't have a stake in that game, but I don't see enough people even willing to try and understand that end of it i mean i know today if i get booked to play at some place i always either call the promoter or the if i know the club owner i call in the next day and say how did the night go it's yeah. not that i can change anything but i want to know did you do well did you do bad was there something i could have done differently as an artist i mean i can't change the night that happened but i i know that i can do something better the next time if something didn't go well Or equally, I think uh, I think uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But I think, you know,
0: when an artist is playing when a DJ is playing, especially if it's a commercial night, I think there is a lot of control that an artist has with their music, you know, for example, I mean, I'm just going to dumb it down as much as I can. I think many artists come in, you know, they're an opening act or whatever they come in, they they play the top billboard 100 tracks back to back. They're getting the crowd pumping, it's eight o'clock you know yeah. it's eight o'clock why are you playing you know whatever the latest uh, you know moment on tracks or whatever those, right. those tracks are why are you playing those right now because eight o'clock people are just coming in people need to understand that you know you've just walked in at eight o'clock you can't play i mean even if it's a techno night you
1: can't play a fucking art bat track at eight o'clock i've just walked in you know exactly you took the words out of my mouth there i mean i've had opening djs playing art bat before me and i'm like you're not playing for the time you're not playing for. Me. The fact that I am the DJ after you, I don't need to be the headliner, but if I'm playing after you, that you haven't done your research to study me well enough. So one you've squandered your opportunity of getting the slot. Uh, and if you're going, to, if somebody asks me for feedback on you as an artist, it's not, obviously not going to be, you know, very good in your favor. Yeah. Also comes back to the point you made earlier of not enough people doing their research before giving opportunities to us. yeah I mean
0: I, I do this at my gigs you know I sometimes I know that when you know I don't know because we're both of us me and Chris yeah. we're playing together usually there is enough time for me to read the crowd you know reading the crowd right. is very important you know of course you know there are tracks I play on purpose I would not say a, a boring track I would mm-hmm. play a track with less vocals more yeah. groovy so right. people get a breather to go to the bar and get another drink Correct. You know?
1: Correct. I don't know I if mean that's if DJ-ing, that. DJing 101 right it feels like it should be DJing 101.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly what people miss out on. You know, it doesn't make sense. I mean, your bartender will look at you and enjoy, but he's not going to get those sales. You know, there Correct. will be those tracks. I purposely, some of my closest friends tell me, you know, dude, why do you play this track? You went commercial yeah. on you. you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not commercial. Yeah, I had to play this one track to get those three people who are sitting, enjoying on their table to right. come out there. I play right. that, that track for them. You're already here. You came for my last gig. I'm obviously going to play a couple of tracks which I played last time, which worked oh, sure. for me. There are these tracks yeah. which are going to work, and there are these mm-hmm. tracks where I don't want them to work. You know, I want yeah. the people to take a breather. Take a breather. It doesn't make sense. Come back. Yeah. Take a take a breather. You know, okay, the vibes for ten minutes. It's a bit chill. Let me go. Let me have a smoke and come back. You know. Correct. So these things, I think, people are missing out on. I think, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, uh, a lot of these. I th- I, heard, I learned this from laid back Luke. So if you guys are listening, if you guys are, um, you know, please check out Laidback back Luke's uh, YouTube. Uh, he teaches a lot of of knowledge
1: there
0: yeah he's got a lot of knowledge in terms of and you know laid back look the reason we're talking about him he's a great dj but i can't wait for his set i can't mean if he's playing a two-hour set it's too dynamic there's so much happening you don't really enjoy it in that sense you know so what i was saying is that from laid back look i just pick up the things that he's teaching me which which i can use in my set and uh, that's that's how i take it from there man i mean so if you guys are ever Searching for some knowledge, check out laidback Luke's Instagram. He does some really, really stuff, and he uh, you know definitely has helped us uh, you know learn and study the crowd and and you know read the crowd as well.
1: Yeah, he's uh, awesome. So,
0: what would you suggest for an artist who's focusing on his music, he's got everything done? You know, how do they get the gigs? If if you know you know what you're saying is the secondary part mm-hmm. of you know introspecting, all of those things. Right after all of those things done, how does he eventually get those gigs?
1: For me, it comes down to one question: Why should somebody book you? If you can answer that for yourself, mm-hmm. that's basically what you're selling yourself to the promoter or club owner on the back of, right? So it's either your sound, or even if you're going to say, I have this many Instagram followers is a good chance. You will pull in a lot of crowd. That's fine, but be upfront and honest, firstly to yourself about it. And then you can use that as a selling point, but know that it'll only last you so long, as long as what, Instagram is the cool place to be today when you have to do all that over yeah. when something new comes along so i mean if you've got the music then great i mean if you're a producer i'm still a firm believer that whatever djing is is a separate art form from producing but yeah. that being said obviously there's a lot of gig bookings that happen because you've had a great release or whatever tours are happening today because somebody's had a great release um in india let's say a lot of people who are getting booked across the country playing multiple gigs in a city in a month, not necessarily on the back of big releases, it's probably on the back of the fact that they're popular today, or have been popular for a while. So for them, it's obviously a combination of things, they might have an agency backing them that's doing some bit of marketing for them, they've got some big ticket bookings or festival slots that they've been able to be a part of. But if you're just starting out, then What's the reason somebody should book you? I mean, especially if you're playing, let's say in the techno melodic techno space today, it's like a free for all over there, right? There is no saying who will win and why they want it. So even if you're playing that, it's not to say that you can't be different, but if you can't figure out why you're different, then you have a problem, right? Now answering that problem is, is what is going to help you land the gig and not the other guy who plays. Maybe the same artist, maybe even the same set of 10 tunes for one hour, right? But why Mm -hmm. should you be the guy that plays that 10 tunes in one hour and not the other one? So that's what I think a lot of people don't take time to think about really okay
0: and coming back to your you know what you mentioned earlier with your with your marketing Mm -hmm. so how can someone come and uh, what's the is it like a program that people can get in touch with you and you know you can work on you know work with them one-on-one is it a particular time duration is it a particular I mean obviously you mentioned it it costs for example what is it what is a a session or I don't know how we call it a a course with you how much would that cost right so
1: it's not structured simply because I can't I can't give you a checklist of if you do 10 things, you'll be good at marketing. It's not like that. So yep. what I do is I first have a call with everyone who's you said, I need help here. And different people have different objectives that they want to achieve for which they think they need my now on that one hour call, which is a, whatever, a phone call, zoom call, whatever it may be. I send out a bunch of five questions and that really gets the artist thinking about okay do i know what i want to get if i pay money to me and do i have the time to be able to actually work on it to make it work for myself as an artist right the end game of it is i'm not doing any of the work for the artist i'm only giving them the tools to think about things in a certain way coming with some experience that i have working with other artists agencies, booking agents, whatever it may be that I can draw analogies on, I can validate some things from the marketing side of things saying, this is a good thing, this is a bad thing. This is the right time for something. This is I mean, you're too early for this kind of uh, exercise and I help them set some goals for themselves against the objectives that they want to achieve to help them monitor their own progress. So. If I'm working with an artist, let me again without taking name. I worked with one guy again in Pune. We started work about three, four months ago, let's say. Introverted, couldn't talk to people. Even if he wasn't shy to talk to people, but beyond the hi, bro, how's it going? He didn't know what to say. Like, he didn't know how to move yeah. the conversation forward. And like, okay, how, you're never going to get a geek saying those two lines, right? So that was one part of the thing that I helped him through. The second part of it is okay. What sound are you presenting? How are you going to be out there? How do you improve your social media game? No, I don't tell, I didn't tell him what to do. I didn't tell him what to post. I didn't tell him when to post or anything. I just told him here, these are your tools available. This is the best way you can make use of these tools. How you want to use it is up to you. What you want to say on that platform is up to you. This is how you measure what comes out of the platform. This is what you can take it to mean. Now, whether you're running after a vanity metric, like a like or a share for one thing or you're translating it to a soundcloud soundcloud play on i don't know you have a podcast that's a separate thing right so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you start connecting all these dots that it makes sense for what you are trying to achieve um it's not a short-term exercise so at minimum it will take three months i usually start with three months we talk maybe once a week the once a week is is a good frequency because more than me, it sort of allows me to coach the artist to get into that discipline and frequency of getting into the system of what I'm trying to implement or help them implement, right? Beyond that, the tool can be junk, but you've gotten into the routine. of it. So if you put out a, like, if I put up a podcast every two weeks, and this is my own metric for myself, I know that if in two weeks. That episode has not hit a thousand plays, then I've not done something effectively. Now, this is my metric Mm -hmm. for my radio show, which I've built over years with my audience and with my marketing. That's very personal to me. If you try the same thing, doing exactly what I do, I can guarantee you'll not see the same results. It may be better, it may be worse, but it'll not be the same, right? So, given your circumstance of things that you're trying to do and what you're trying to showcase, And achieve that plan is kind of tailored around what you want to do. And once you get into it by usually week eight, week nine, the artists themselves come into these conversations saying, okay, I did this well, I didn't do this well, because they know now what they're looking for. They know now the kind of questions I would have otherwise asked. Beyond that 12 week period, it's really left up to the artist. Now, some of them say, okay, I've achieved this goal that I set out for myself in three months. I'm Pushing the benchmark to another level, and I still need your help getting to that, you know, from point A to point B, which is at a higher, higher state of reaching and achieving goals for some people. It is project based. So someone has a big release. They want a big marketing push and they want to maximize the opportunity that they have. So it can be where can I give an interview? What does PR mean? How does PR work? What should I do on Instagram? What other ideas are there to generate content? How can I activate my fan base? So there's no, um, like I said, there's no checklist of things that I can hand out to people and say, if you do this, and it's not it's not even something that I work with myself. Every person who comes to me has a different requirement. And it's been a lot of artists, usually DJs, but not necessarily only DJs There's even um, guitarists and bands and all those kind of things, but the problems are the same. And then for me, the way I look at yeah. it is who you're reaching is different. What you're trying to achieve may be different, but how you're going to get there is largely a similar set of solutions that we can, you know, pick and choose which ones will work for you and then try to work on it. Um, but yeah. if that objective is not clear, if you're just going, if someone comes up to me and says, I need to improve my marketing, I can't help you like, straight up. Then I refuse the work because. <laughs> If you are not clear what you want to achieve, then how can I help? So in that sense, it's very personal.
0: Great. Uh, so before we let you go, we're almost down to the end of the podcast. Before we let you go, I usually like my um, guests get a bit of a, you could say, homework or something to think about, or you know, do their own research because I, I feel that's the only way uh, this podcast would make some sense if mm-hmm. they can go back and do some own research. But before we get them, uh, you know, to do that, uh, I would say any two or three pointers that we we'll say which could be a good. Uh, you could say like a homework or or a good starting point before they can you know eventually get those answers because not not everyone has a clear thought you know as probably you and me but uh two or three pointers that you know if you could uh, ask them to start you know like a good initial start and then they can obviously get in touch with you later and get in touch with Yeah you for
1: sure um my big headline that i keep pushing out is social media is not marketing so if anyone is still continuing to believe that then whatever jump off that bandwagon i still think i mean Again, this it could sound brash or rude or opinionated or whatever. But if you're a musician and you have more Instagram followers than SoundCloud followers, then I mean the issue should it's be obvious. There, idea there is a problem. I mean you're focusing energies on the wrong area. Basically, the 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 last thing I would think is don't get caught up in the rat right race because as much as we want to say art and you know support the scene and all that fluff talk at the end of the day, it's a business and the business has to run like a business for it to be sustainable for everyone involved. So there's no point shitting on the money side of it or the marketing side of it, or, you know, having to play those games that are needed, but at the same time, you can learn a thing or two. If you look at the corporate industry and you look at, I don't know, as stupid as look at the number of manufacturing people making what? Toothpastes. They're all making the same product and they're all so many brands, but there's still space on the shelf for all of them. And they're all able to sell themselves when they're not doing the same thing as each other. And so that analogy applies equally to us here. If you're not able to differentiate yourself, then you will get left behind. And yeah, that, that it's not something I wish upon anyone, but yeah, you got to put in the work before the results show.
0: Sure. Uh, so that was an amazing, uh, you know, particular podcast that we've had. Uh, so Goose, in general, uh, I would like, you know, if it's okay, if you could just share, where, where can your audience find you? Where can my audience find you? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it your Instagram? Is it your email? I'm pretty sure many people will have a lot of questions. they will like to reach out to you. So Not where sure. can my audience find you?
1: Everything is at GooseMusic.com.
0: GooseMusic.com. so you can obviously get in touch with them there uh get in touch with me on on instagram on 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 any of the social media platforms that's where i'm easily available uh we'll also try doing a a live instagram whenever possible so i think that way we can immediately get in touch with the people who yeah i mean i've
1: done a few q and a's like that those are usually a lot more useful so if if you see a demand for that happy to do one more sure bro thanks a lot
0: man this thank was you this was awesome good podcast. fun this was we, we should we should see you soon again in the podcast and probably on some other topic whenever you're ready cheers bro thanks right. a lot thanks bye thank you and that was the episode guys thanks for tuning into the breakthrough podcast i'm getting mad love from all of you guys from the fraternity continue sharing but definitely consider subscribing following liking doing all that good stuff this definitely helps me a lot